Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylive.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. My name is Radonia Mathis. I always knew about God, but I didn't know God. Growing up was not easy as my mother was a single mother who didn't choose wisely when it came to men. Every man she was with was physically and mentally abusive to her. Many times we would have to pick her up off the floor and clean her up after a drunken beating. One of the men that she was with molested me when I was three. I didn't tell anyone because I was scared. I thought I had caused this in some way. This developed my worst enemy, men. I have a sister who also went through a lot, rape, losing her firstborn child in an abusive relationship. This made her bitter and angry. She didn't have anyone but me to take it out on, so I become her punching bag. The last time she beat me, she had broken my nose, blacked both of my eyes, and I had a major concussion. I knew I had to get away. This began my road of being a mom at 17 with a man much older. When he became physically abusive, I left. I swore my children would never see that. I met my second daughter's dad shortly after leaving and three months later became pregnant at 19. Again, abusive, but mentally this time. When he became abusive to my children, I left. A few years later, I met my third daughter's dad, a good Christian man. I went to church every Sunday, Wednesday, and Bible study on Thursdays. The church we attended wasn't bad, but I never left feeling recharged. Instead, I left feeling ashamed, belittled, and discouraged. When I had met this godly man, I had told him about my past, and I asked him to never use sex as a way to hurt me. He promised, but didn't hold up that promise. I tried for six months to forgive him. I was angry at God. How could you let this happen? I started drinking cutting myself and I fell into depression. I stopped going to church and I didn't want anything to do with God. Then a few years ago, Harvey came and I felt like I was called to go help, so I signed up for the Red Cross. An hour, hour later, they called me and said go to Parkway Church to help. I had no training, no clue at the amazing adventure I was walking into. I stayed the first night and did the night shift and met two men who attend Parkway. We sat and talked all night about God and the church, and it lit a small spark. The next day, I come back with my husband, and we helped unload people off the trucks. I told my husband to go ahead and go home with the kids, that I would see him later for him to come pick me up. I didn't know that, that, would, that I would not see them for 10 days. Here I was, no clothes, just my purse. The next 10 days was crazy, emotional, exhausting, but amazing. I got to witness Christ be the Christians being kind and loving. I wasn't judged by my tattoos or past. I actually got to see God's love. This made the small spark get a little bigger. It took me two years to finally give Parkway a chance and just like at the shelter, I didn't feel judged. For the first time, I was able to walk into a church with my head held high. After the first service, I felt like God had spoken to my soul. After a few services, I actually had true joy. Me and my husband decided to go through freedom. I didn't have a clue what that was about, but I wanted to learn more. After week after week, God continued to speak to my soul. Things that didn't make sense in the past was made clear. I understood God. At the conference, I was able to unload suitcases that I didn't realize I had been carrying for so long. I literally felt chains being broken off. I soon realized I could not let what others do make me angry with God. I had to learn to forgive so I could live. For so long, I looked at God as a punisher if you didn't follow the rules. Now I see God's love, forgiveness, kindness, and so much more. It makes me want to be and do better. When you really get to know God, what he asks of us is nothing but good. The world needs God, and I need God. 
I love people that are willing to share their stories. And Radonia, where are you, where are you at this morning? What a brave lady and what an awesome person to share. Stand up for us, Radonia. Let's give it up for Radonia. That is the Parkway story. We're not a perfect church, but we're a place where imperfect people can come and find a perfect Savior that will love them through everything in their life. And uh, I think that the, the only the beginning is there, Radonia, of what God is going to do in your life. And what a letter to read today. What a letter to read today. We are in a two-part themed weekend's of just simply called letters. And last weekend, um, I preached to you letters to the Savior. And uh, we talked about that, had a couple great, great testimonial videos. I enjoyed speaking last weekend. And then we took up our grace and truth and at the table offering. What a great response. Some of you have wondered where to put those today. If you missed last week, you can drop them uh, with any of the staff or you can drop them at our Giving Central out there. And we'll continue to, to bless. And we're going to, at the beginning of the year, let you know what all happened during that process. And we're excited about telling you about that. But today, something unique happened in this process of letter series. Um, we've been talking about this and wanting to do a couple weekends like this. And a couple months ago, uh, the Lord kind of dropped it in on some, a couple people in our church that when we did this themed weekend of letters, that they felt like they wanted to really, really pray put their heart into this, and write, uh, write a letter from the Savior to each one of you. They prayed about this. They prayed about what they wrote. They wrote 500 letters. Well, that's a lot of letters. They wrote 500 letters. They prayed about each one. They even prayed about where they placed them today. And next to you, somewhere around you, is an envelope. Look at your envelope. It's been prayed over, it's been written on, and they're really hoping that the right people receive this word today, this letters from the Savior. So take that, open that up. Before you open, can I just say this? Let's give it up for these ladies that did this today. I think it's just incredible, incredible, incredible. I love that passion and serving with excellence and wanting to do what the Lord has, folks. So open your letter. Do you receive that today? Would you stand with me? I don't know what was just written on your card. I don't have anything to do with that. But I love that people, again, serve with excellence and passion and uh, zeal to do that. And I want you to take whatever that says today, and I want you just to ask the Lord to bless that, to confirm that, and uh, do a work through you on that situation. Lord, we, we thank him for that. Amen? Can you just lift your letter to the Lord and say, thank you, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I pray it blessed your life, spoke into your life, and uh, I didn't call the names of those who wrote it. I didn't know if they wanted me to do that or not, but I know that that wasn't the heart behind it. The heart was behind it is to bless the church family. And so if you find one around you that is not opened, um, we ask you to pick it up, take it with you, and hand it to somebody. Would you do that? Just pick it up and hand it to somebody in your life. Make sure they're all used. They were all a lot of time was spent on these, and so pick them up, bless somebody this week, bless somebody on your job, whatever it is, and say, hey, this is a letter from the Savior just for, for you. God richly bless you, and uh, uh, as you, uh, you may be seated. You may be seated. I, I am incredibly honored today and blessed today to have my dad with us today. Um, yes. My... Uh, my dad is, is an incredible man of God, and his wife is an awesome woman of God. And I am so blessed to have them here today at Parkway Life Church. My dad has, not, has served in a pastorate for so many years that 
uh, was not able to be here on Sundays, and now he is retired from pastoral ministry and uh, now able to be with us. And he is with us. He, he spoke of a few months ago on a Wednesday night, but this is the first time he's spoken on a Wednesday or a Sunday in a long, long time. And I'm so glad to have my dad here to speak to us. And uh, again, last week was letters to the Savior. This week is letters from the Savior. And uh, I'm so glad that my dad is here to speak into this. And I love mom and dad so very much. And I want to tell you today, uh, you're about to be blessed with the ministry of my dad. We just call him Bishop around here. That means he's the, that means he's the head honcho. And uh, I love it. My dad, dad, come on out. Dad, come on out today. The man with the plan, my daddy. My daddy. Would you put your hands together for the awesome Thank you, son. I did that favorite thing to him. I know he thought about it. I ran up on his shoe right there. I'm sorry. That's a personal joke. Well, it's great to be with you today. Great to be with my family. I love my family so very much. You know, I, uh, I wasn't, uh, as a child and as a young man, uh, connected with church or religion in any way. So when I had that opportunity, I, I, jumped, I jumped on it. And I've never looked back. I was raised in a good family. It just had no spiritual connections. And so when I had the opportunity to come into the kingdom of God, it was like coming into a bigger family. And uh, I look at you today as the body of Christ. And it's such an incredible thing to see all of you and to see where this church has, has come from. It's been quite a journey. I text or call my son every year, either on that day, this year it was, I think I was a day late. I text him, I said, you remember what yesterday was? And he texted me back. He said, yes, 18 years. I've been doing this for 18 years and uh, just reminding him of the day that he became pastor at Parkway Light. And it's been quite a journey uh, in this church. I remember preaching in the gym. I remember when you poured your first slab of concrete for parking lot. I watched others take place. I watched the dream of this building only uh, different uh, come to life and you move in. And then I watched the tragedy of what Harvey done and uh, how it seemed to devastate everything only to come back in a more incredible way. I remember a couple of years ago or close to that when Harvey came and came in here and I thought, my, my, my. And for a couple of days, I, I worked all over this building. My son gave me a little job of digging out bits and pieces of sheetrock in between two befores. And my heart was crushed and broken. I thought, you know, I'm not a builder. And I was digging all that out and wires and everything else. I said, they'll never put this back together. Never. It'll never look like it used to. And then every once in a while, I would come down because I was full time in pastoring at that time myself. And uh, I would see it change and change and a little bit change a little bit. And then finally, you know, the, the, the flower blossomed out and you, you budded into the beauty of, of all of the magnificence of what <clears throat> God helped you to put back together. And when I come in the foyer and I walk around in different places, I look because I, I remember how cruddy looking and nasty looking some of those corners were, wet sheetrock and all of that. And I was digging all that, <clears throat> that stuff out and it was cold in here and I'm cold natured anyway. And, 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 and I look at all these little corners, you may not look at them, but I look at some of these little corners and I thought, I thought I would never get that out of there. 
and, and I, I look at it now and I go back to those particular corners and I look and everything's so perfect and everything's so right. And it's just hard to believe that it's so beautiful. But you know more than that is how beautiful each of your lives came in. And you had broken fragments of things that needed to be fixed. And you've grown into this incredible family that you are. Goodness gracious. It's great to be a part of the body of Christ. It's great to be a part of the body of Christ. Christmas mail comes from so many places at this time of the year. But have you ever thought about this old letter being the greatest male of all? A letter from Paul says in Romans 15 and 4, for what silver things were written aforetime. That means in the Old Testament. We're written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, that's the letters aforetime, might have hope. Might have hope. Why do we need that? Should I even have to ask that? We who are so short-lived and know that we are eternal beings. That's what Paul was driving at. So he is saying then that these Old Testament letters and the New Testament are laced with hope. And so many of you have found that hope. That's why you keep coming back every week and every week and every week. And then again, there may be somebody here this morning that, that hasn't found that hope. Can you imagine, I read about that this week, being in the middle of a parachute jump. Now just think with me for a moment. You're in the middle of a parachute jump and you have a seizure. And your jumping buddy that is also a training instructor is right behind you in the fall. And he sees that you went into a seizure. And he pencils himself in his fall. And catches up with you. And pulls the ripcord. That's the way I describe what's in this next letter that I write or read to you. Ephesians 2, 11 from the NLT. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. He's speaking about you and I. The Gentiles who were excluded from any form of what God was doing with a covenant people in the Old Testament. And Paul is saying he has went beyond. That's why he says in verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's actually the way I felt at one time in my life. 
And that's how the Bible comes to life. The Bible comes to life as it takes root in each of our lives. And it forms that body that I'm looking at here this morning called the body of Christ. That's what Christianity did for me personally. Jesus only used the word hope one time in the New Testament. One time in the Gospels. You'll find it in the red letter edition. And get this, it was not used in a spiritual way. It, 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 there's nothing about the context that relates to the word hope as being spiritual. And yet, the New Testament epistles, the letters, the word hope is recorded in a spiritual way, in a spiritual context, at least 53 times. How did that come about? How did that happen? Because the apostles, the leaders that Jesus had, had chosen, they got the idea of a blessed hope, and they got it from Christ's own words through all of the four Gospels and the facts that he taught and the promises that he proclaimed wrapped up in all of his teachings in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And that's why from all of the New Testament letters from Acts on, to the end of Revelation is filled with hope in a spiritual way. I watched the uh, video of last week's service, Letters to the Savior. Now, what an incredible service, what an incredible message, and what an incredible testimony that you, uh, you had that morning. And my son had called me and asked me to speak this morning and speak about letters from the Savior. And immediately when he asked me that, I wondered, what will I say? And the word hope popped into my mind. Because I thought of all that Christmas and Christ means to me is wrapped up in that word hope. And I thought, I I want to speak on hope because that's to me what the, the letters are all about. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, again a letter, verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. In other words, if anything about the Christian movement uh, doesn't take us any farther along than this life, he said we're of all men most miserable. It hasn't solved our problem. But that's not the way it ends. In verse 20 he says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And he's become the first fruits. The first fruit is the first fruit off the tree. He's risen from the dead. And he's become the first fruits of them that slept. In other words, uh, all of the Old Testament characters uh, can now have hope uh, and something beyond this life. Because Christ did something. He went beyond this life. And so the true meaning of Christmas to me speaks of hope. But like I said, that wasn't always like the way it was. In Romans 8 and 20, there was a time, it says, against its will. Now, for clarification, what do you mean against its will? That's creation's will. I'm talking about the creation of the earth and the creation of you and I on the earth. All of the animate, the living, and the inanimate, the non-living. Against its will... It's almost saying creation had a mind and it was not the will of creation's mind as to what was imposed upon it. Against its will, creation's will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Creation didn't curse itself. But the writer is saying, nevertheless, it's cursed. 
But God didn't leave it that way. And of course, we know why it was cursed, don't we? But God didn't leave it that way. He says, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. It's like he is saying that the earth will be renovated along with all of creation. That's what the writer meant when he said, we nevertheless look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So, there was a time that the, the exposure to sin put us in a place where there was no hope. What happened? There was no hope. But Paul is saying uh, that the ripcord was pulled and somebody did something for us. That's the Christmas message. A message of freedom from death and decay. And he tells us, by who? By Jesus Christ. So this is the word to Jesus, to each of us. He said, the thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Well, that's hope. <laughs> what a letter from the Savior. What a letter from the Savior. Continuing in the mixture of all of these great words from Christ and his apostles, letters and letters, Romans 15 and 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound you may thrive, you may flourish, you may prosper, you may overflow in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is how hope is transferred. This is how hope is personalized. This is why this church is filled with so many people here uh, because they found a place of hope uh, where their life be could become personal. Let me read it again. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it means then that the Holy Spirit in you translates, and look at those two words, joy and peace. <laughs> oh, the world only hears that at Christmas time. My Lord, we can hear it every day. It means that the Holy Spirit in you translates into joy and peace because receiving Him means that you receive the God of hope. And He said, all you, all you, all you need to do is start believing. You talk about Christmas, Christmas passage, joy and peace in Christ. You know, in this season of Christmas celebration, we've got the privilege to make the most of the season because we know the real reason for the season. Wow. Do you know that hope is one of the three theological virtues of the Christian religion? Charity or love faith, and hope. You don't know where that's at? 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide it. That's what hangs around throughout all the New Testament. Faith, hope, charity, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. But because there is love, because there was love that was given, there is hope. Peter described in 1 Peter 1 and 3 that hope actually as a lively hope. And he said it's attained by faith. 
So you've got all three of the great virtues working. you got love working, you got hope working, and you got faith working. Uh, but somehow we have to get to a place where those principles are, are transferred and they become personal to us. And I found it. I found it. I read it to you. Now the God of hope fill you. Fill you. He fill you with joy. He filled you with peace. He said, in believing. He said, in believing, he said, uh, you can be filled uh, in Christ. Uh, believe it or not, uh, we can have Christmas every day. Every day. Listen, listen to Simon Peter's words in 1 Peter 1 and 3. Which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. That's an old word, begotten. It means to bring forth, as in birth. Uh, which according to his abundant mercy. Remember, the creation uh, had been stricken and smitten against its will. But with an eager hope, uh, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. He rebirthed us unto a lively hope. Anybody got a lively hope in this place this morning? Huh? Huh? A lively hope to me is a hope with a promise of eternal life. Remember, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Now, set that against the backdrop of the thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Here's the way the Message Bible says it in 1 Peter 1 and 3. We've been, oh, you got to listen to this now. Come on. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for because of this hope. That's what I found at 17 years old. And I've never looked back. He's talking about me. He's talking about what happened to me. According to the dictionary, hope means a trustful expectation. The anticipation of a favorable outcome. Somebody said, but it's not always trustful. Sometimes it's rustful. It's lost the teeth. But Holman's Bible Dictionary says no. It's always trustful under God's guidance. That's the letters from the Savior. Romans 5 and 5 from the New Living says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Pilgrim's Progress written in 1678 by John Bunyan. Now, maybe you don't know anything about it, so let me just quickly say, it's theological fiction, and it's personifying Bible words as real people. In other words, hopeful becomes a person, okay? And the word Christian becomes one person, okay? He says, in the fiction story, he said, it's hopeful who comforts Christian in Doubting Castle. That's Doubting Castle. It's hopeful who comforts Christian in Doubting Castle. But Bunyan goes on and he fictionalizes hell. But he calls it, in his writing, Dante's hell, 
D-A-N-T-E apostrophe S. Dante's hell. Because Dante was a very popular poet at the time of John Bunyan. So he says, it's hopeful who comforts Christian in doubting castle. But he says, at Dante's hell, hope lay down all. You that go in by me. In other words, no hope in Dante's hell. I don't have to live in Doubting Castle. I can live with full hope in my life. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 12. Seeing then that we have such hope. We use great plainness. We use great clarity. Clarity of speech. One translation says we use great starkness of speech. Starkness. Let me give you an idea. John eleven fourteen. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Starkness. Clarity. John eleven forty. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time uh, he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Why did I say that? That's darkness. That's hope delivered. I'm trying to say to somebody perhaps this morning, that's our promise. And that's the promise that so much of this congregation has received. That was a clarity that came into your life. There was a starkness that came into your life. There was a moment that something happened in you uh, that translated into the person uh, that you have become. And you've become such family uh, and so personalized uh, as uh, the body of Christ. Uh, and at this time, this morning, uh, out of all the things that could be done, uh, you've chosen rather to be here because uh, this is the extent of family. Uh, this is a place uh, to read the greatest old letters uh, in all of the world. Uh, see, I was lost without promises, but now I live in hope every day. Hope is a compound emotion. Now, what do you mean by that? It means hope is made up of desire and it's made up of expectation. I have a desire for it, and not only that, I expect to obtain it. Falling with a failed parachute, it's not going to open. I desire to live and see my family again, but I have no expectation of seeing them. I have desire, but no expectation. On the other hand, I expect to die for the crime that I committed. But I have no desire to see what they're going to do carried through. So there can be desire with no expectation of obtaining. And there can be expectation with no desire. But it's the union of the two feelings, desire and realistic expectation coming together. You put those together and you've got hope. In Christ we have hope. We have desire and we have expectation. He said, He has become the first fruits of them that slept. Here's the way the writer from another old letter, Hebrews 6 18, says from the Message Bible, verse 18 God can't break His word. And because His word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. 
we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. You can't find this nowhere else. That's the real message of hope at a real Christmas time. Galatians 2 and 20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now remember I told you Christ only used the word hope one time? And it wasn't in a spiritual context. And yet I told you hope in a spiritual way is found 53 times in the Bible. And we're surely not going to go through all those 53. But let me just give you an idea of, of how that they translated so that laced throughout all these letters uh, you'll find that hope alive. Matthew 18 and 20. This is Jesus speaking in a red letter. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Hope. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world hope. John 6, 51, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Live forever? John 8 and 12, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 10 and 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 11:25, 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's hope. John 14, 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's hope. That's hope. Everything about these few moments here, right now, in this sanctuary, is about the letters from the Savior, and they take us beyond any and all hope that's offered in this life to a greater hope. Oh, that's letters from the Savior. Here's the way Paul wrapped it up in his letter in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. But I'd not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Some of us have already passed on, he said. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. They have reason to sorrow, but not us. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which in sleep uh, in Jesus, will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, the letters uh, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them from which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice uh, of the archangel with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But now listen to this. Listen to that last verse. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. A 24-year-old boy seeing out from the train's window shouted, he said, Dad, look. He said, the trees are going behind. The dad smiled, and the young couple that was sitting by in the train looked at that 24-year-old boy and his childish behavior with pity. And about that time, the boy suddenly exclaimed again, Dad, look. He said, the clouds are running with us. The old couple couldn't resist and said to the old man, he said, why don't you get your boy a good doctor? The old man smiled and said, I did. And we're just coming from the hospital. My son was blind from birth, and he just got his eyes today. Do you see and hear this morning all the wonderful words of promise and hope that pour forth?
forth uh, from these old letters uh, from the Savior. First uh, John 3 and 3, and every man that hath this hope in him, this hope uh, of Christ and his promises, purifieth himself even as he is pure. In other words, it just keeps recycling. In other words, it purifies him and keeps on purifying him. This happened to me just a few days ago, and I know it's happened to every one of us here, and that is you've discovered money in your jacket or your pants pocket that you forgot about. I love this when it happens. You put your hand in your pocket or your coat and you feel something and it feels like paper and you, you know, and it feels like, I've I, I got the feel and the shape of money. I can't wait to pull this out. You know? <laughs> it's an unexpected bonus, you know, even if it's a dollar, you know. Maybe, maybe this has become the unexpected bonus to you here this morning. that's these old letters that have spoken to our heart. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Pastor, son, I have a message for you. For the first time in my life, at the age of 17, I found myself hopeless and helpless. I don't ever remember being hopeless in my life up to that point. I don't ever remember son being totally helpless in my life up to that moment. I found myself hopeless and helpless. I'll never forget the doctor's announcement to our family that our baby brother, my baby brother, four years old, had been diagnosed with acute leukemia. And they said he wouldn't live long. And he didn't. I was helpless. Hopeless. But little did I realize that I too was dying. I just didn't know it. I was diseased in sin. And it took a crisis to reveal my helpless and hopeless condition. But it was at that time in that life, my life that hopeful came and spoke to Doubting Castle. And amazingly, son, I lost him, but I found him. I found hope. So here's my message to you. You keep on dreaming. You cast your visions. You and Adina, you keep laying down those letters. You build that second Parkway Life Church. Yeah. And many more stories like Aaron and Kristen will happen in this place of hope. Allow him, Pastor, allow him to continue to use you to be the one that pulls the ripcord in a fallen world. Hey, guys. It's Eric Brown uh, writing this letter and, and thankful to Christ for taking care of me and let me be here today to give the short testimony of what relationships and also Christ can do in your life. 
had a major, major, major drinking problem. I was drinking up to a liter of vodka every single day for probably about the past six, seven years. And it finally caught up to me, uh, having suicidal thoughts about to lose my family. Uh, I was doing it internally, behind the scenes. Uh, my wife knew, others knew that were very, very close to me. It was killing me internally. Uh, went to the doctor, doctor, ran a bunch of tests, told me I was in the body of a 400 pound male who was anywhere from 55 to 60 years old. And so I had to change. I was doing nothing but killing myself. Uh, at the, my wife was about to leave me, I was losing my life. Finally reached out, sought help. Uh, thankful for pastor, I'm thankful for the church, I'm thankful for the relationships I have, and I'm especially thankful for my wife. She stuck with me the whole entire time as I fought through this. Um, celebrate recovery. Joe Rhodes, thank you very much. Um, I couldn't do it. I just needed to know that I could do it. I needed the belief in myself and also from others in Jesus Christ. I prayed every day. Uh, I'd wake up, I'd numb myself at night, wake up in the morning, and it was a repetitive repeat every single day. And I was just killing myself, telling myself I would step away after I'd get off of work, I'd pick up another bottle. December 22nd of last year, uh, 6.43 was the last time that I had a sip. Uh, opened up a bottle, took a sip on the way to a family Christmas party. And I'm glad to say today that that was my last sip. Uh, I have no need, I have no want, I don't want to smell it, don't want to go back to it. It's over with and that is, uh, God gave us tomorrow's for a reason and not yesterday's and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Pastor Keating for sticking with me, speaking life into me and my family. I'm thankful for Brandon Pippen and the prayers I've received from this church and friends of mine here. I'm thankful for my wife for sticking by me when she should have not have in my heart. And also, I'm thankful for Celebrate Recovery once again for showing me that others had made it and I knew that I could. And I'm just thankful for people praying over me. I'm thankful for freedom as well. No matter where you're at, there is a future. Uh, you can climb out of the darkness. Don't let the devil lie to you. That, it's called a spirit for a reason because it's a negative one, okay? Just prayer, and I promise you, pray, and you can succeed. And there is, there is a future in prayer. There's a future in belief, and there's a future in relationships, and there's a future in me. I will not go back to it, don't want to go back to it. I'm thankful for Parkway, and I'm thankful for freedom for me, for giving me the faith that I could stop and not go back to it and not want to go back to it.